seated, please. So it was a very pretty early fall day. The sun was shining, no clouds in the sky, slight breeze, temperature nice. So a couple of friends said, let's take a ride in our hot air balloon. So they did. And they got up and they were drifting along and enjoying themselves, enjoying the scenery. All of a sudden, a great cloud engulfed them. And for about 10 minutes, they were in this cloud, wind still pushing them gently along. When the cloud dissipated, they looked down and realized they didn't know where they were. They didn't recognize the landscape. They were lost. Then they spotted the figure of a man. And one of them shouted down, Hello, down there. And the man said, Hello. And in the balloon, the man said, Where are we? And the man said, You're in a hot air balloon. (laughs) They drifted on and one man said to the other, that was an Episcopal priest. (laughs) How do you know that? He said, because what he told us was absolutely true and completely useless. (laughs) Oh, can't believe I gave that away. It could be said that clergy specialize in making declarations about things they don't know much about and don't understand. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm going to begin with a brief venture into a field that I barely know and understand even less, quantum physics. There were some experiments, probably many of you know this, in the early 1900s that seemed to prove that a particle geographically distant from another, imagine Toledo and Tokyo, with no means of physical contact, could nevertheless affect the other. The experimenter jiggles the one in Toledo and the one in Tokyo does the exact same dance at the very same moment. As you probably remember, Albert Einstein is supposed to have called it spooky action at a distance. And he wasn't being complimentary. He did not like that idea. Never accepted it. A quantum physicist named Erwin Schrodinger was also troubled by this possibility. He proposed a thought experiment about a cat. I'll bet some of you have heard about that one. A crazy, really crazy thought experiment. An imagined cat in an imagined box was both dead and alive at the same time. What do you think of that? In the strange world of quantum physics, both states of being 
alive and dead, can coexist in the same time and space, at least in this crazy thought experiment. Schrodinger's discomfort with the seeming irrationality of quantum theory, and particularly what's called the observer effect, that is, it hadn't happened until somebody observes it, he used it to demonstrate the absurdity of quantum theory. He left the quantum field entirely and went into biology. Now, I know I've taken a long time to introduce what we're intended to talk about. And I promise you that this is way past my understanding and I've already oversimplified it vastly. The late scientist... Richard Feynman, one of my favorites, used to say, don't ask how it can be. Nobody knows how it can be. So this has been a long way around to introduce the fact that we're talking about, today we're talking about mystery. Mystery, one of the themes for today. And speaking of mystery, the gospel story, so-called transfiguration, that's mysterious. But I think maybe the point that Matthew wants to acknowledge is the fright that people, that's us, feel in the face of mystery. How can that be? I don't understand. I want to know. And Jesus says to his friends, his disciples. Get up. Get on with it. Don't be afraid. Implying a response other than fear. Which response we're about to get to. But first we're going to take a brief excursion into two other gospel stories that you may recall. A prominent citizen named Jairus has a daughter who is dying and he comes to Jesus, who's in a crowd of people, and asks Jesus to heal her. So Jesus apparently agrees and sets out on his way to Jairus' house, crowded in by a great throng of people. And as he's on his way, some woman who has suffered for years with bleeding, having heard of Jesus, sneaked up behind him and touched his robe. She figured all she needed to do was to touch his robe and her mysterious disease would go away. Well, you know the story. She touches the robe and immediately her body tells her that she is well. Spooky action at a distance. Who touched me, he says. Come on, Jesus. They said, everybody's around you. Everybody's touching you. Jesus stopped and looked around, you remember, and the woman came up and she explained to him, she said, I believe that if I just touched your garment, I'd be well. And Jesus says to her, your faith has made you well. In my words, your belief that you will be well is what has made you well. Just then the message comes from Jairus' house that the girl is dead. No, she's not, says Jesus. And of course they ridiculed him. 
Once again, Jesus appeals to faith. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And when he gets to the house, he goes into the child's room, takes her hand and says, get up. And so she does. Now, I don't believe for a minute that Jesus healed either the woman or the child. And I'm almost as certain that Jesus himself did not think of himself as the one who healed either one or anybody else. But I do believe that in each case, the healing happened. I don't think Jesus ever claimed to be a healer. His constant message is, believe. It is your faith that makes you well. Faith and mystery. I believed and said for years, as I've just said to you, that Jesus wasn't a healer, but implied but not directly stated is the fact that the human relationship that Jesus had with people is always a crucial, central part of the healing. Now, the people around him did what the church and we have been doing ever since. We make Jesus into a miracle worker. We make Jesus into something special, different, not like us. We make him into a healer distinct from us. We make him into something he was not and never claimed to be. And there's lots wrong with that understanding of Jesus. We'll get back to that in a minute. In essence, Jesus' constant message over and over again, you're afraid because you don't believe that finally everything will be all right for everybody. I'm here to say to you, it will be all right. To the three frightened disciples on the mountain, Jesus says, don't be afraid, get up, get going. It will be all right. And the people who heard and believed that message, like the woman trusted Jesus and seemed to find that it was all right. Here's what's wrong with making Jesus into God, the God out there, the God above, the God who is not us. It relieves us of taking responsibility. Responsibility for our own believing and declaring that things will be all right. What I'm saying is that it is your faith in that assurance from Jesus that everything will be all right that will make it so for you and for the people around you. When your neighbor sees your confidence, she may let go of her own fear and begin to trust that it will be all right. I think that's what Jesus was saying to that thief hanging up beside him when he said, You'll be with me today in paradise. It will be all right. Jesus exuded a confidence, a faith, that it will be all right 
And people in his presence felt that and began to know it. Making Jesus into God relieves you and me of the responsibility of doing our job. Here's the way it works. You trust that everything will be okay, then you act like that is true, and it comes to be. Whether you live or die, it's okay. That's from our prayer book. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's possession, quoting St. Paul in our prayer book at our burial office. I repeat what I said earlier. As with Jesus, it is not just saying words of assurance. It is your willingness to be in a reassuring relationship that accomplishes the healing. That woman was in a relationship with Jesus. It is that mysterious, spooky connecting, being in touch with one another that conveys the assurance, the healing. Now be clear that nothing I'm saying denies that evil and suffering and pain and death are part of our life, part of life for each and every one of us. As Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. There is lots of bad in the world and lots of good, and we contain both. So how can it be that it will be all right every time? All right. Don't ask how it can be. Nobody knows how it can be. That's the mystery. Let me add to the mystery with this paradox. Even when it's not all right, it's all right. It is a mystery. I have a good friend who played on the title of a book that some of you older people may have heard about. The um, I'm Okay, You're Okay about transactional analysis written in the 50s. The book's title is I'm Okay, You're Okay. My friend played on that by saying, I'm not okay and you're not okay, but that's okay. It is a mystery. The wind goes where it wants to. You hear the sound and you see the effects, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. Therefore, as we say each week in our Eucharistic prayer, we proclaim the mystery of faith. And we declare the necessity of faith. On the news recently was a story about a young nurse. When she was 12, she was diagnosed with cancer. She was treated at the University of Tennessee Medical Center in Knoxville with chemotherapy. The treatment was harsh, and typically she was miserable. She lost all her hair. Her recovery was uncertain. In the unit where she was being cared for, there was somebody called a child life specialist. She was this little girl's encourager, declaring by word and deed that at this very moment, 
at the depths of her despair, everything is okay. Even in those depths, everything is okay at this very moment. In fact, the little girl did recover, and she is now herself a nurse in that very same unit, in that very same hospital, working with that very same child life specialist. Now this nurse is herself an encourager, the assurance giver. It's going to be all right. Her faith, personally delivered, is catching. And even when the child dies, which does happen, and the family is deeply distressed, it is all right because it will be all right. Dame Julian of Norwich in the late 1300s put it this way, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Some of you may know the singer Iris Dement. Not everybody likes her voice. I do. She has a wonderful song. Here's from the chorus. Everybody is a wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody is a worrying about where they're going to go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. The good news is simple. Trust that it's going to be all right, whether we live or die. Don't worry about how. That's the mystery. Let the mystery be. Just know your faith that it's going to be all right. It's what makes you participate in making it all right. And it will be all right. And you'll be all right. And all shall be well.